Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else your podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I've discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just enjoy putting these podcasts out for everyone to really like. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's so easy to use. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. What's up, everyone? Hope everyone's having a good day. Uh, 49ers started OTA, so there's going to be some news to talk about, and I think this is going to be a fun episode. So uh, hang in there with me as we're going to be going through a lot of the things that happened today, including the 49ers going out and making a signing. Um, so so that's going to be pretty cool. But welcome, everyone, to chat. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a fun episode. I'm really looking forward to this one. I'm looking forward to getting into to all the news and notes that are coming out of Santa Clara. And it has to start with the news that the 49ers have signed a uh, tight end, Tyler Croft. Tyler Croft has, has been in the league for a few years now. The Cincinnati Bengals actually are the ones who drafted Tyler Croft. Um, but I like his size. He was a third-round selection, number 85 overall, but a six foot six, 252-pound uh, player. And and Alex will be coming back, you know, sometime next week. Um so I mean he he's on he's on a little bit of a, a vacation right now. He's taking some time and, and he'll be back. So good question, Bomber. Uh what's up, Paul? I see you in chat. Welcome back. Uh so this is gonna be an interesting one. And um last year he played for the New York Jets, so he's familiar with the, the system already, as he has worked with Robert Sala and, and also worked with LaFleur. So he's gonna have a basic understanding of what San Francisco wants to do already, and they're gonna plug and play this guy. Uh I like the size and I like his blocking ability. But last year in, in 2021, he had 16 catches for 173 yards and a touchdown. Um, that's something he did. He started in six games. So he's a guy that has some experience in case, you know, you need a guy to come in and fill in for George Kittle if possible. Um, last week, the 49ers signed a tight end, and the belief was that guy was a 90-man roster, you know, potential player. With Croft, I think Croft has a chance to make this make this team. So this is kind of an interesting move for the 49ers is they're bringing in a guy that can actually compete to be one of the top three tight ends on the team. Um, what is up, Tommy? Welcome to chat. And I think that the question is, which one of the 49ers tight ends is on, you know, potentially on the bubble? Uh, could it be Ross Dwelly? Uh, could it be Charlie Warner? I think that's the big question that's going to be happening right now for the 49ers is, is which one of those guys is, is going to be you know, on the bubble and competing with Croft for that third spot, that third tight end spot. We know George Kittle holds it down as the number one guy, but after that, it, who's it going to be? And I, I think this wasn't that this was one of those signings that I kind of wish Alex was here because Alex has been 
pining for a move at the tight end position for two years. Last year, it was uh, the talk was uh, Michael Pruitt. Michael Pruitt came over from the uh, from the the Titans, the Tennessee Titans, and potentially he was going to be the third guy. And then he was injured before training camp happened. Never really got an opportunity during training camp. The 49ers ended up cutting him. He didn't play he make the 49ers 53 man roster. And then he ends up back in Tennessee, and he had a pretty good season. Michael Pruitt was a very good blocking tight end who could also have some success in the red zone. And that's what I think you're getting from Tyler Croft as well. Uh, the measurables are off the charts. He's a lot bigger than, you know, than Ross Dwelly is physically. And he's a better blocker than Ross Dwelly. So the questions are going to be, how good is this guy as a receiving threat? And I think this put, you know, the, the tight end position at the front of the forefront of the 49ers right now looking to improve every single position with, with depth. Um, and so I, I thought that that was a, a really good move um, right there. So they did cut um, Slayton, the, the defensive tackle. That was a corresponding move. Uh, but Croft is not even 30 years old yet. So this is one of those moves that makes a lot of sense for San Francisco. And what I liked, and it's an interesting way to kick off OTAs. Uh, OTAs is uh, it's going to, you know, it's kicking off today. It's going to be today and tomorrow. Tomorrow, in fact, is when the media can be present. So we'll probably get more tidbits and information tomorrow as the media will be present and being able to watch what is going on. Um, Blue says, I take it you aren't thinking Matthews is going to make it. I'm I'm leaving it open. I I think when it comes down to it, I my belief still is that Jordan Matthews is the best option when it comes to the receiving game. I, I think he's the he's going to be one of those tight ends um, that can definitely get it done in the receiving game. But the questions about him in the blocking game, uh, he, he's just not really uh, you know equipped to be a inline blocker in the NFL right now. He's working on developing that part of his game. Of course, we know that he's worked with George Kittle some, and that's something he's going to be working to get better at. But right now, the questions about him being a blocker are important because in Kyle Shanahan's system, you've got to be able to block in line. You've got to be able to handle linebackers at the second level. You've got to be able to come back against you know defensive ends and get their hands on the ground or even stymie them so you can get up the field. So I think that this is one of those things that is going to play out in... in um, in training camp. And that's what I'm excited about is, is the possibilities for this tight end room because now they've got real competition. And that's what Paul is talking about, you know, in chat is that there's going to be some real competition in the tight end room. And that's what you want. Cause now there's at least four uh, viable options to make this roster and potentially five. If Jordan Matthews has the blocking um, figured out. So uh, t Tommy says, I always enjoy it. Well, thank you, Tommy. I appreciate that. I always enjoy having you in chat as well. It's always a, it's always a, a good time. And the cool thing about OTAs getting started is now we're going to start getting some information about Trey Lance. He's actually going to be, you know, taking the helm and running this team. And so I think that a lot of the narratives are going to change around him over the, you know, the next several weeks because OTAs are kind of split up. And that's one of the things that's also been asked to me, you know, during the week is what the 49ers offseason schedule looks like. So I'm going to kind of go through that a little bit too. And if you guys have any questions, go ahead and leave them. Uh, in the comments of Bomber, I see your question about Alex Mack. And when it comes down to it, right now, there's no, there's no new news on Alex Mack. Now, I did put on the thumbnail Alex Mack and I put Debo Samuel. Reason being is neither one of them are at OTAs. And part of the reason that neither one of them is at OTAs is because it's, it's not mandatory. And because it's not mandatory, both guys don't have to show up. So I think when it comes down to it, these guys aren't going to show up until they have to. Mack, because... I mean, he's a veteran, and he really doesn't want to go through any of these practices if he doesn't have to. All throughout the season, Alex Mack took so many veteran days during weeks, uh, and that's what he can do because he's been in the league for 14 years. And when you've been in the league for 14 years, you've been an all-pro player like him. Uh, you, you deserve the right to take those days off, and he does. He takes advantage of those days. You're going to see those days ramp up for Trent Williams as well in the coming years. But he's just not, he wasn't going to show up for OTAs, and I don't expect to see him for OTAs. The, the day that it's going to be is minicamp, and, and we'll get into minicamp uh, because minicamp is mandatory. But when we're going through off t OTA off-season workouts, um, that's May 23rd and 24th. And then they have a break, and then they're May 26th, and then they're back Tuesday, May 31st through June 1st. Um, and these are all practices where they're going to be able to work you know, with these players on the field. Uh, and then June 3rd, June 6th and 7th, and June 9th. Those are all dates the 49ers can be at, you know, are going to have workouts and OTAs uh, and the players are going to be around. So um, I think that's uh, it's something that's 
it's going to be exciting to watch and it's just it's football uh the cool thing is it's june 1st which is one of the days of the 49ers in fact the last day the 49ers are, are having an ota session may 31st and june 1st is a day to watch because on june 1st you have alex mack and d ford watch because those are post june one uh potentially we could find out and with the 49ers having an ota that day potentially we would know right away um, if the 49ers do decide, you know, what they're doing with Alex Mack, do we finally get clarity that he's retiring post-June 1? Are they cutting D Ford post-June 1? Um, do those things make sense? And I think the farther we get into June, the more understanding we have on how these two guys are going to be used on this team this year. And I think Alex Mack has a lot of impact. I think the 49ers have definitely done a good job of insulating themselves with D Ford. Because with D Ford, if D Ford is not available, you have edge rushers galore. The 49ers went out and got so many great edge rushers. And I say great in the fact that the way that they fit the scheme, right? Right now, these guys are, are just sharing potential. They're not any big-time names, uh, but they got some good players and a nice rotation going. With Alex Mack, there's tremendously more questions. Will it be Daniel Brunskill? You know, I mean, is is that what it is? Is it going to be Daniel Brunskill moving over from guard? Uh, and Or is it going to be, you know, one of these young guys? Is it going to be Nick Zakel? Um, so it, it's something interesting. And Mr. H says, tight end uh, Tyler Croft will be all pro. What everyone think about the signing? I don't think he's going to be an all pro, Mr. H. I, I think he's going to compete um, for a roster spot. I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't able to make the 49ers 53-man roster as a guy that can block and is a receiving threat in the, in the red zone. Uh, you go watch some of his games where he played for the Buffalo Bills, and he was effective in the red zone and a target that Josh Allen could count on. A big six foot six target is something that the 49ers definitely don't have right now. Uh, so that's nice. I mean, six foot six is bigger than George Kittle. So that that's an impressive threat. I do not believe he'll be an all pro, even though it seems like when 49ers uh, sign a new guy, there are a lot of times they get hyped up that way. And Jimmy G burner account coming through with, I'm not going anywhere. Love San Francisco later, y'all. Um, well, hi and bye to Jimmy G's burner account. Welcome. Uh, <laughs> and then Bomber T's going ahead and, and telling him what's up. But June 1st is a date to watch to see what's going to happen with Alex Mack and with D4. It doesn't mean we'll get our answer on that day, but it does mean it's it's a day that we can really start getting some clarity if the 49ers do decide um, to make some moves the same way they did last year with Weston Richburg. Now, the Richburg one was a little more clear because I think everyone knew he wasn't going to come back. I think everyone wanted him to come back because of his abilities, uh, but he wasn't healthy and he wasn't able to come back. So that's going to be a big day. And then the next big day is mandatory minicamp, and that's June 13th. The reason that's the big one is because if Debo Samuel doesn't show up, he will get fined. It's a part of, of the collective bargaining agreement. There's no ways around it. The 49ers can't you know, not do it. They have to do it. They're required to do it. And the first time he gets, you know, it, it's going to be like $17,000 the first day he misses. Uh, but if he misses the entire minicamp, there will be a total of over $88,000 that Debo Samuel won't get paid. Uh, it seems like not a lot of money, but when you know for for a millionaire player in the NFL. But I don't know if Debo has that kind of money to just be throwing around. Um, so I think that when it comes down to it, that's a that's a nice day to watch uh, mandatory minicamp. I would also think that potentially that would be a day we would see Alex Mack. Um, so yeah, and Mister A says who who you see uh, will be center if Mack retires. I think it would be Jake Brendel. Uh, I know that there's been a lot of talk, and, and I'm, I'll actually get into that right now um, because I, I, I kind of saw some interesting stuff. I don't know if anyone else caught this, but Matt Mayoko uh, stated in a recent episode of 49ers Talk that Jalen Moore has continued his transition to offensive guard. And the conversation had been that Moore was going to be the swing tackle or a, a tackle option still. But if he's transitioning to guard, um, it got me thinking. So what I did is I went back and I started digging into some stuff um, from earlier on this year. And I came across an article that was written by Kyle Posey. Uh, and Kyle Posey talked, uh, you know, was was discussing an interview with Kyle Shanahan in which Shanahan hinted that Jalen Moore could compete with Daniel Brunskill for the starting guards job. Um, the reason that's significant to what Mr. H said is if Jalen Moore could start a guard and he had already said in the same article that Aaron Banks was ready to go, that in fact they didn't want to mess with the chemistry of the team last year, that Aaron Banks could have went last year. If that is the, the, the God's honest truth, and that's the real belief, then Daniel Brunskill could be an option for center. So if Alex Mack was to retire, then you could see Daniel Brunskill moving over 
because you would have Jalen Moore and Aaron Banks at guards. And if the 49ers walked away with Jalen Moore and Aaron Banks as a starting guards from that draft, what what heck of a draft that would be. That's fantastic. Uh, so that's the potential there that's going on. And the fact that Mayoko floated that out there means that they wanted that information to get out. So Jalen Moore potentially could be a guard option for the 49ers, which makes it a little bit more plausible that Daniel Brunskill could play center. I still like Daniel Brunskill competing for a guard spot, and if he doesn't win, uh, playing the swing tackle, but he is a better player than Jake Brendel. So that's that's something to monitor and something to watch, and uh, I, it, was, it was definitely something interesting as we're talking about this offensive line because I believe this offensive line has a lot of questions, and a lot of those things need to be answered, and one of those is center. So I, I think the, the first option would be for you know Alex Mack to come back. After that, it's it's got to be uh, Jake Brendel. Um, I think Nick Zakel is going to push for that spot if Alex Mack retires, but that's a lot to ask of a rookie. Now, the only good thing you got going for you is Kyle Shanahan doesn't ask his center to make calls. That is on the quarterback. That's on that's on Trey Lance, and luckily, a lot of the time, Kyle Uzcheck or one of these running backs also assists and helps as well. But that's part of the you know part of running this offense. Uh, you as a quarterback is you have to be able to understand everything that's going on and. So that's one thing that he, that Trey Lance is going to be tasked with. Uh, Lou says we need a long-term answer. And I think when it comes to the long-term answer, um, that's exactly what they're trying to do. You know, that's why they brought in Donovan West. That's why they drafted Nick Zakel. Uh, they're looking for the long-term answer at center. They know Alex Mack is, is here for one more year potentially, or, and then that's it. Because I think that if Mack does come back, this will be it. So right now that makes sense. Uh, but they are looking for that, and they they went a long ways to do that. I mean, even bringing in Jason Poe potentially as a center option, the 49ers have left no stone unturned when it comes to, you know, who is going to be the center on this team. And I think they're looking for a guy to develop. I think in a perfect world, uh, Donovan West or Nick Zakel would establish themselves as a backup and an understudy to Alex Mack if he would come back for one more year. I think that's the perfect world for the 49ers. And in that case, one of them would develop, and then the next year you know, be that guy for the 49ers. And then you can kind of tether and tie that guy to Trey Lance. And those two could work together for years to come. Um, so the one thing we know is, you know, and that's what Paul is saying in chat as well. Brendel and Trey did spend a lot of time on the practice squad, you know, working together. Um, Trey does, you know, does feel comfortable with Brendel as a center. So that's something to keep in mind. And and as of right now, I'm sure Jake Brendel will get most of the uh, the snaps here in OTAs. Um, and so once a mandatory minicamp is done, J June 13th through 15th, um, the 49ers go on a hiatus. I believe it's close to 40 days. We don't know the exact time uh, that that training camp is going to start. They haven't set the dates yet. The NFL and the 49ers haven't announced it yet. But we do know it's going to be in late July. And Kyle Shanahan says uh, that they usually like to give the players close to 40 days off. So that, that'll happen right there. That'll be a, a break for the 49ers. And then after training camp, of course, you get into your preseason schedule, which has officially been announced over the you know la the end of last week, August twelfth versus Green Bay at five thirty at Levi's. Um, that's going to be on. Um, let me see. I was going to look to see. It's going to be on KPEX five in the Bay Area. So if you're local, that's where it'll be. And then of course uh, the the second game is against Minnesota, and that one I wanted to bring up as well because that's August twentieth at four p.m. But th what they're going to do with that one? Is they're gonna they're also gonna go up early and they're gonna do dual practice sessions with Minnesota Vikings. So they'll get to practice against Kirk Cousins, against Dalvin Cook, uh, and the new look Minnesota Vikings. And then on August 25th, they're at Houston at 5 p.m. and that game is gonna be on Amazon Prime. So that one is is already set and highlighted. And of course, we'll see what happens with Jimmy Garoppolo. But uh, all the rumors about Jimmy to the Texans, you know, is is something to keep watching. Um, but I do like that they're going to have dual practices with Minnesota. It worked out very nice for them doing that against Los Angeles last year. Uh, Tommy says Dubs in four or five. Um, you know, I haven't been watching a whole lot of basketball, but when it comes to the when it comes to the Dubs, they usually get it done in a big way. Um, I'm going to go ahead and and say five because I think Luca goes off and just goes crazy. I know it's basketball talk, but I think Luca goes crazy and gets one. Uh, Lou says, "Do you actually see them giving Brunskill some type of long term contract?" If he plays good enough, I, I think in a perfect world, they don't, though. I, I think they would like young players that are going to be able to develop even better than Daniel Brunskill. Brunskill's been a nice pickup for them. You know, a guy that, you know, they signed out of a, the a, the a, a, uh, AFL or, a, yeah, AFL or AYF, whatever it was. Um, they signed him out of that defunct league, 
and he was a undrafted free agent guy. So he came in and he's really paid dividends for them. Good up to their scouting department, going out and getting a player and then developing him at the right guard spot. So well done to Daniel Brunskill for maximizing his potential. And he's done a pretty good job. I think the Forest would love to have Daniel Brunskill as a swing tackle. Uh, that guy with the ability to play all five positions, that is something that that's the only thing that I've heard about Nick Zakel as well. Some a guy that can play all five positions. Having guys with that kind of position versatility on your offensive line is huge. Uh, so I think that that would be big. And then Mr. H says, you think Fournier could sign a center if Mac retires and no one steps up? Yeah, and, and we see uh, William also saying if Mac retires, they are signing Treader. Um, so I'll couple your guys' you know, questions together and say that would make sense. Just they have to find the money. That's the key. Right now, the 49ers have the least amount of salary cap space uh, of any team in the NFL, and all the moves that they've been making are under the, the top 51 threshold. So the top 51 contracts count against your salary cap. With that being said, that's what all their moves have been under that threshold. They don't have money to do anything else. In fact, right now, they cannot sign their draft picks. So they're going to have to make something happen to be able to sign their draft picks. Um, I think they will make some sort of a move, and it could be as simple as Kyle, Sh or, I mean, uh, J uh, Jimmy Garoppolo being moved. If that happens, it frees up $25 million, and then you don't have any questions. And like William and Mr. H said, uh, then, yeah, uh, J.C. Treader would make a lot of sense in that situation. And, in fact, he is better than Alex Mack right now. Uh, I'm not saying he's better than than Alex Mack ever was, but he's better than Alex Mack right now as Mack has been aging, but he's a good football player. But J.C. Treader would definitely stabilize that center position. And if they did that, they would sign him probably to an extended deal. Um, so that would be a lot. But uh, the one thing about J.C. Treader to keep in mind is he wants to get a lot of guaranteed money. In fact, he wants the entire thing guaranteed. So it, it's going to be interesting. Uh, D. Will says, Ant, do you think Lance gets all the reps in the preseason? Um, I don't think he gets all the reps in preseason. I, I think he will get the reps of a, a starting quarterback. Now, I do believe he will probably play extended uh, snaps more than you know than a norm than Jimmy Garoppolo would per se if he was a starting quarterback because you're wanting this guy to get the chemistry uh, and get the understanding of what he's seeing and, and all that but um, you don't want your starting quarterback to get hurt and if in fact they do move Jimmy Garoppolo it would make a lot of sense to play Trey just a little bit more uh, and make sure he feels comfortable but I don't expect him to play extended snaps uh, because I think if he played extended snaps uh, you run the potential of him getting hurt and talk about Kyle Shanahan absolutely, you know, submarining the season if that happened. Let's see. Uh, William says they'll keep bringing Brunskill back on one-year deals until they find a better option. Yeah, yeah, it's it's worked out, right? They do it with Dante Johnson as well. That's something that's definitely happened. And they keep bringing guys back and, and using their skill set to their best advantage. So bringing back Daniel Brunskill makes a lot of sense. And this is the first time he's actually cost an infinite, significant amount of money because every other time he was under the $900,000 threshold. This time, because he was a restricted free agent and they wanted to keep him, it's going to cost him about $2.4 million. But this is the most that he's ever cost. So he's been real cost-effective for them and a, a solid player. So, I mean, for the amount of money that they've been paying him, he's definitely worth the money that they've paid him. So... I think that Daniel Brunskill is a guy that they can count on. And that's the thing. He shows up and he plays every single week, just like Lakin Tomlinson. Uh, Tomlinson showed up every single week and played. And I think that's something that's important. And that's why they really count on Daniel Brunskill. Do I think they wish that one of these other young guys that they've drafted will beat him out? Yeah, because they're more talented. And if they can beat him out, that means their team improved. And I think that's what you're always trying to do. You always want your starters to get beat out. Because if they're getting beat out, that means you've improved the position. You're always trying to improve every single position on the team. So I think that is something they're definitely looking at and, and, and wanting to do. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see if that ultimately happens. And uh, Bobo says, release Jimmy and D Ford. Uh, D Ford could come. We'll see. The, 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 the June 1 date is something to watch. Uh, we'll see if the 49ers decide to cut him then. They don't have to. They could actually just wait and, and see what happens with him. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, William, Mac would free up money, though. Um, but some of that money is going to be dead money. That just happens. When they retire, um, some of the money is dead money. And he had a third year on his contract as well. So we'll see what happens there. I'm sure he would do exactly you know, what we got last year from Weston Richburg, where Richburg did everything he could to help the 49ers and free up some money. And I think that that's what Mac would do as well. Um, but I don't know what it's going to take to sign J.C. Treader. Because he's still out there. He wants guaranteed money. And the fact he's still out there and he's as good a player as he is means he probably wants a lot of money. 
So could he price himself out of being with San Francisco? At some point, it would make sense. Uh, I think the Niners would, you know, would do a very good job if they brought him in because Kyle Shanahan loves to have veteran centers, and there's not a veteran center on the market that's better than J.C. Treader right now. So if you're looking to get the best, he's he's definitely the guy. Mister H says it's it's a wonder if safety is locked or who would be the starter. Um, the safety position is definitely up in the air. It definitely is because the 49ers did not address it really in free agency besides George Odom. George Odom's a very good football player. George Odom's a special teams, you know, ace. That's all great. But you have questions with Tarverius Moore because Tarverius Moore's coming off an Achilles. He did that last year, and now he's got to come back. And there were questions already if he was going to be able to start opposite of Jimmy Ward. I think a lot believed he could. But right now, you just don't know. And then with Talano Hufanga, Hufanga's a good player, but he's developing, you know, in coverage. And that's one of the things he's got to get better at. I'm a little nervous about putting him in certain situations um, where he can get beat. So finding good situations for Talano Hufanga to be in right now has been what they've tried to do. And we've seen him get beat a little bit and cost the 49ers a little bit of games. Uh, so I think there's some questions there. And that's the thing. There's no one really um, that there's not questions about in the 49ers safety room besides Jimmy Ward. To me, I always thought Jaquiski Tart would end up coming back. Financially, that hasn't made sense. Right now, he, they, the 49ers would definitely have to pay him over the 51-man threshold, so they can't afford to sign him. So at some point, if Jimmy Garoppolo moved on and Jaquiski Tart was still on the market, uh, potentially could come back. But I would say right now, if I had to guess between the four guys that are currently on roster or even the two undrafted free agents, I would say that it's Tarverius Moore that is the the guy that could potentially start next to Jimmy Ward, and then I think Hufong is right there with them. Um, Lou says, I think someone will give Brunsko a contract next year and we won't match. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's going to be an uh, unrestricted free agent next year, Lou, so uh, the 49ers could potentially move on from him. I think they would. They've drafted uh, to be able to move on from him if, if that's what they needed to do. But if they feel like these other guys aren't going to develop and that Daniel Brunsko is their best option, then they would look to bring him back. But it's going to have to be feasible because you're not going to go out there and you're not going to pay a, a interior offensive lineman more money than you should. And the way Kyle Shanahan values these offensive linemen, he's going to pay his tackles. And then after that, he's going to pay a center. So guard is not high on that list. Um, so that's something that to keep in mind as you watch the way the 49ers continue to build. I think they're going to look to to continue to build the interior offensive line through draft picks. And I think they're looking potentially to replace uh, Mike McGlinchey as well, if that's what they need to do. Uh, Phillips says, hey, Ant, with our draft picks, we don't need Treader. Yeah, it, it could be. And and that's one of the things, Philip, that I really like Nick Zakel. Um, I've actually heard John Chapman talking about how he likes Nick Zakel as well. We're we're on the same page. Uh, Nick Zakel, from the first time I watched film of him, I really just liked him. And I've been throwing out there that I thought he was a center guy. Um, and, and that's where we're agreeing. So I think that he's potentially a guy the Fourniers could develop into the center of the future. And uh, the next couple of days, I'm going to get into the 53-man roster a little bit. And uh, I, I went over some stuff from some other content creators, some newspaper articles where they're talking about guys who are going to make this 53-man roster. And no one has Nick Sakel making this roster. I mean, really, no one does. I, I, I wonder if Chapman would. I haven't heard if he has or not. Um, but we're kind of the ones out there on Nick Zakel. I really like him. And I like Spencer Burford as well. Um, I thought they were going to play Spencer Burford at guard. And if they do, I believe he has potential to start at left guard. I really do. I know Banks is the leader in the clubhouse, but Burford's nastiness is something that can't be uh, missed because this guy is ridiculously nasty. He likes to get after it. Those type of players definitely play well for Kyle Shanahan because when they're out there, you know, you know they give everything they got and they move people. And when you move people, you create run lanes. And that's what... That's what Kyle Shanahan wants from his offensive linemen. So you're right. There's some really good young players. I think between Banks, Moore, Burford, and Zakel, they have four guys that could potentially play on the inside. Uh, so it's going to be exciting. And Lou says, eh, it's not Tuesday yet. That's it. Because uh, Tuesday we're going to be talking about the offensive side of the ball as far as a 53-man. Uh, I want to get into that. And I, I told Lou that that's where we're going to get into it. He's asking me some questions, in fact, about Nick Zakel and whether he would make this 53-man roster. I can't wait to get into all that because I think it's going to be a, a really fun conversation. And and Paul says, I heard Zakel was calling coverage from left tackle at Fordham. I, it would not surprise me. The guy is ridiculously intelligent. The one thing I just did was watch his film and saw the way that he played balance and saw the way that he stayed under control. And it, most of his film is playing tackle. You know, in fact, all of it was playing tackle besides what you saw at the Senior Bowl. 
And what I saw from him was he's a really, really good football player. He has an understanding of what he wants to do, um, but a nastiness. And what's up, Mr. Corey? The show topic is the 49ers news update. We went over the tight end already that they had signed, um, and, and now we're discussing some of the interior offensive linemen because Alex Mack did not show up um, to OTAs, which is, it shouldn't shock anyone. Um, but I think that, you know, when it comes down to Zakel, he's just a really good football player. And I think he's going to show people he's got the size, he's got the speed, he's got the aggressiveness. And the two guys that the 49ers drafted on the interior offensive line, or if Burford plays guard and not tackle, are two really nasty guys that like to win at the point of attack, um, but have the intelligence level to be able to do everything you want them to do. They can pull, they can run your gap scheme. You know, they can run the outside zone, inside zone with that nastiness and physicality. Um, but they can also kick slide and be able to, you know, block in traditional pass sets. They don't have to rely, you know, just on the play action game, which other linemen sometimes for the 49ers have had to do. So I think that they really did a good job in this situation. And I'm excited about those players. So that that does make a lot of sense, uh, Philip. I think you're right. Some of the draft picks um, could make sense, especially if the 49ers don't want to pay a J.C. Treader because J.C. Treader would definitely be more expensive than all of these guys put together. So that's something to, to keep in mind for sure. And Bobo says the Matthew Stafford AT&T commercial really irritates me. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of any of that. Um, but, you know, I mean, one of the things that comes down to it is these decisions that have to be made, you know, are going to come to fruition here soon. I mean, we're getting closer and closer. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get cleared at the end of June, early July, potentially. Uh, so right there. You, you know, you're, you're going to have some answers as well about what Jimmy Garoppolo is going to do. The rumors came out this week, and I say rumors, um, that Jimmy Garoppolo potentially would be willing to restructure his contract to facilitate a trade. So if he's willing to restructure his contract so he could be traded, you know, to a team like Carolina because the news came out that Carolina doesn't want to take on the full salary of Jimmy Garoppolo, um, then that would make a lot of sense. And then that would help Jimmy Garoppolo get moved. And I think he wants an opportunity where he can start. And he knows... San Francisco, he's not going to get that opportunity potentially. Uh, we've heard the things that George Kittle has, has been on the, you know, he's been making his rounds in media row and and really hyping up uh, tight end you. And he had a lot of things to say about Trey Lance and about uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. And one of those things he said about Trey Lance is the offense is going to get more exciting with Trey Lance at the helm. And if Trey Lance is tasked with being the guy, and I like the way George Kittle answers it, um, then he's going to go out there and he's going to make plays because he saw some, Pretty ridiculous things from him. So I like that. And, and Gary says, and he has the smarts. He really does. I mean, that's the thing. They got really smart, intelligent, physical football players. These are guys you want to have on your roster. And, you know, they talked about Nick Zakel, and he was the closest to the gold helmet of any player uh, that they drafted. And so I think that they really like him a lot. So I like that. And what's up, Brad? How's it going? Welcome to chat. Uh, Mr. Corey says, I think Mac is gone. They're probably waiting for June to announce it for cap reasons. I doubt a 37-year-old man is undecided at this point. I think a lot of 37-year-old men can be decided undecided at this point. Michael Strahan, uh, famously, I know I don't know if he was 37, but he was in his 30s. He was not decided about going back, you know, for their last Super Bowl run in, in 20 and 2011. Uh, he ended up going back. He didn't want to go to training camp, and that's one of the things veteran players don't want to do. Uh, they don't want to practice, and if you don't want to practice, then you hold out. You wait. Uh, I think the 49ers will be willing to wait on Alex Mack because they know what he brings to this team, his understanding of you know what he what this offense is about and where he's supposed to be is there. He's lined up next to Aaron Banks. He's lined up next to Daniel Brunskill. They have familiarity already through practice, so it's not a it's not an outlier. There's there's definitely a chance that Alex Mack could just be waiting. He could just be waiting for training camp to come and go, and then he could say he's coming back towards the end of it. So. I think this is something to watch. We don't know for sure. Um, but June 1st is the first time that you're right. I think we'll get a pretty good idea of what's going on with Alex Mack. If they don't you know, announce a retirement within that first um, three weeks or so of, of June, then I would kind of start expecting Alex Mack to be back. I'm hoping we get some clarity on it sooner rather than later. I would like to get a lot of information on on Alex Mack. That way we can start putting the puzzle pieces together of this offensive line because I believe he's the biggest one. Uh, without him, you don't know where Daniel Brunskill is going to be, or you don't know if Jake Brendel is going to be on the team, you know, or who's going to play guard. So I think those are definitely answers that come from Alex Mack, and he's the one that's going to going to be doing it. And when it comes down to it, the the 49ers have those answers, you know, or questions to be answered as well. And I'm sure Chris Forster would love to have, love to know what is going on with Mack because uh, then he could build his offensive line. But in the end, in the grand scheme of things, 
they'll they'll wait for Alex Mack because they know what Alex Mack brings to their roster. Uh, and then Forkall says, Mr. Corey, but it's more up to Shani who wants to announce his return, and Shani always waits till the last minute. So I respectfully disagree. The thing is, is could it be Kyle Shanahan? I don't know. I think they're com- completely waiting on Alex Mack, and Alex Mack could have told them there he was coming back. But if he did, would he not? Would they not just already go out there and just say it? Um, and what's up, Forever Blessed? Welcome. Um, so I don't know, Forktall. I don't know for sure what's going on with Alex Mack. I thought, you know, when we saw after his marriage, it looked like he was getting back to the grind and working out a little bit. Potentially that signal that he was going to be coming back. Um, but we don't know for sure. I mean, we really don't. We don't know what's going to happen with Alex Mack. And until we know what's going to happen with Alex Mack, we don't know what this offensive line is going to look like. Uh, but going back and looking at some of the you know things that Kyle Shanahan said back in March, it definitely makes you think potentially Aaron Banks and Jalen Moore to play guard. And I've always been originally last year, um, I made a couple of statements in some in some podcasts that Jalen Moore at guard would be a nice option. Uh, but I had kind of got you know the belief from watching what I had seen from the 49ers that it looked like Jalen Moore was going to be left at tackle. And it was a lot of a lot of talk of him, you know, being on the left side behind Trent Williams, developing in that area. And so that's something that, you know, we've seen from the 49ers right now. Um, so I think that Jalen Moore could be inside. I think a lot of these players could be inside. I thought Spencer Burford's going to be inside, but maybe he's not. I think right now they don't know until we find out what's up with Alex Mack. So Alex Mack, you need to help, you need to help us out. Uh, and, and what's up, Forever Blessed? Uh, I think that right now there's going to be those questions. But the 49ers are not against adding to any room. And so if they have questions, question marks about anything, we talked about this before. When it comes to the tight end position, they added a tight end. Now they added another tight end. Um, they're just going to continually add to these to this tight end position until they find a, until they find the right guy. Um, and and right now what they're doing is they're bringing in players that they believe can improve their football team. And I think every single time a player becomes available, and then financially um, you're able to bring that player in. I mean, I'm not even I won't even be surprised if they don't bring in a a wide receiver. You know, I mean, right now the wide receiver names that you have at the end of this roster. Um, are are not exactly the most you know well known names. So right now you have five guys potentially that can make this roster. And they all make a lot of sense, but the 49ers at times will keep six. So could the 49ers go ahead and and find a six guy? Yeah, they could. Could they bring in somebody else uh, to compete? Yeah, definitely. So I think that is a uh, something that can happen. And and Mr. Course is exactly. There would be no reason to string him coming back out this long before the draft is understandable. Yeah, th- that's it. I mean, that was the thing. Like with Joe Staley, they told him he had to make a decision before the draft. Um, but with, when it comes to Alex Mack, they haven't. So it's interesting. I, I think this is interesting. Um, and it's one of those things that it, we probably won't know until Alex Mack actually steps to the podium and talks to the to the media, whether he's saying he's going to retire or he's going to come back for you know another season. I'm really hoping he's going to come back for another season. My belief is that when they signed him last year, he was signing a three-year deal with the intentions on playing two, uh, but they signed a three-year deal so they could stretch his money out. To me, that made the most sense. So I'm hoping that's what ends up happening because I want Alex Mack um, to play for the first year with Trey Lance while they develop an understudy, which Nick Zakel or Donovan West would be perfect, right? You plug them in. They're able to learn right now under Alex Mack, one of the best to ever do it. And then they're ready to roll after that. And you get that chemistry already. So I'm, I'm definitely excited about the center position because I'm excited about these young players. And uh, if Aaron Banks and, and Jalen Moore, where Kyle Shanahan says they are, then we've got a lot of young players who are going to be able to handle things in the middle of the field for a long time. Uh, Forever blessed. Got to have Mac at center or a rook. We can't afford to move around our line and play a lookout ball again. That's one of the things I, I do worry about moving Daniel Brunskill from guard to center unless they believed that Jalen Moore was going to beat out Daniel Brunskill already. If Dan- if Jalen Moore and Aaron Banks are going to be the starting guards because they're the best options for the 49ers and it's not because they need to move Daniel Brunskill, then I love it. Then I absolutely love it. To me, that that's an improvement over you know what you've gotten at the guard position. Now, Daniel Brunskill is not Alex Mack. He's not going to play as good as Alex Mack. He's not going to understand the position as good as Alex Mack. You will lose something there. Alex Mack is is a, a f- way better than Daniel Brunskill at center. Daniel Brunskill is n- is not a great center in this league. Uh, Paul says with the quality of ninety man roster, every position is going to be very interesting this year. There should be no shortage of content once OTAs and camp start. Um, there shouldn't. I mean, there's going to be camp battles all over the place. It's going to be exciting. I plan on going out to training camp and watching. 
uh, bringing what I see, you know, here to you guys and being able to talk about it. It's, it's one of the most exciting things. We saw a lot of cool things at training camp last year, a lot of battles, a lot of guys showing up. I mean, Trent Sherfield was showing up in a big way. We had everyone talking about how he's actually one of the best, you know, on the team, potentially even better than Brandon Ayuk. That's what some people were saying. Uh, we didn't go that crazy, but uh, he definitely did look good last year. So you do find out a lot at training camp, watching those practices, and I'm definitely looking forward to getting into football. Uh, real football is a uh, is extremely exciting, and I I love the ins and outs. So I love watching practice as well. Lou says, "What is the issue with West? Why not drafted?" Well, watching the film, Lou, my belief was that he played high. That was my first concern with him. And then overall, he talked about the fact that he had a thumb issue, um, that he had a, a ligament that was bad, and he did it his freshman season. He's been learning to play with it, but he probably didn't play at his full potential. But when it comes down to it, part of the reason some of these great players, and I say great because anyone that gets into the NFL is pretty great athletically, uh, didn't get drafted is because of COVID. And a lot of players stayed for a fifth season. You had a more con competitive college football because of all the players that came back. And so Donovan West got caught in a situation where there's a, real, a lot of really good football players. And the way the league is trending towards getting these athletic uh, freaks of nature that play the skill positions, a lot of times interior offensive linemen are not valued in this league. In fact, that's why you see the 49ers, Jets, uh, Dolphins, all these other teams that are going and drafting offensive tackles because that's the philosophy right now for these outside zone schemes. Draft offensive tackles and move them inside. So playing interior offensive line in college doesn't always help your stock when you get to the NFL. Um, there are always outliers. There's players that are really, really good at football. Um, but right now, that's kind of what they do. So I think that's something that we got to continue to monitor is, is what happens with offensive tackles because normally the offensive tackles are your best players in college. Like, they're the most athletic. Um, so I think that that's something to continue to watch. And Mr. Corey says, Jalen Moore is starting somewhere. The way Kyle talked about him and Banks. That's what it sure seemed like. And, and that's the thing when I was reading something about the article is it really appeared that they were very impressed with Jalen Moore's athletic ability. And that athletic ability at the guard spot um, could be explosive. I mean, that's one thing. If Jalen Moore starting, then that means Daniel Brunskill uh, could be available. If Alex Mack comes back, it could be the best situation for the 49ers. Alex Mack at center, Moore and Banks at the guard spots. Uh, and then you've got, you know, McGlinchey and Trent Williams at tackle. I think that's your best five, potentially. If Moore and Banks are at the at the level at which Kyle Shannon said they are, I have no reason to doubt him. I mean, I haven't seen it yet, but I have no reason to doubt him because I wasn't at those practices. So until I see otherwise or they don't prove it, uh, you got to believe coach on this. So I think that right now you got to feel comfortable with those two guys coming in and playing those two spots. Um, and if Alex Mack is back, that, that offensive line is pretty formidable. And then you've got some really good backups that could go ahead and play with Daniel Brunskill uh, being the number one backup at that point. Talk about the ultimate swing player. He can play inside. He can play outside. So that would be exciting. Uh, then you have Spencer Burford who can play inside and outside. A lot of versatility and flexibility there. The Kel could then be your understudy at the center position. He could go develop and learn that um, also as potential to play guard. I think at that point, the Warriors would have a really good offensive line and then the, the decisions would be made. Uh, between what Colton McKivitz and Justin Skule, which one of those guys are going to make this roster? I think that's a way better situation for the 49ers than what we were talking about last year. Uh, Olivia says, that's what's up. Coach Ant, camp updates. Can't wait for the lowdown on camp. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to training camp. It was so exciting last year. I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of good times out there. Um, and I'm, I'm going to go out there and watch it again. And, you know, we got to see some some football players step up last year it was really exciting and I'm, I'm excited to see that again i love watching the drills i always get drawn to the right side of the field though because chris kasarik and and daryl tapp are down there yelling and getting excited with the defensive line and sometimes i have to pay attention you got alex he's always watching the skill players um but i i draw to the big guys a lot of times so i got to make sure I, I stay focused uh because you know it's just one of those things where i want to kind of spend my time watching everybody but everyone's doing their thing all at the same time you have to really just you know pick your pick between reps and really pay attention to what's going on and understanding what they're doing too uh so many times i hear people breaking down talking about you know players on one-on-ones and they weren't doing well and it's like yeah but what were they working on what was the focus of that drill and sometimes that will help you get a better understanding of what's going on uh forever blesses with jimmy we were a play away from every loss including the super bowl yeah uh one play away i mean that's the thing you want to be in football games that's what you want to be as a team you want to have an opportunity to win. You want one thing to go, you know, a, another way. And then right there, you, you have your chance. So 
it's something that definitely is uh is what you want you want to be a competitive football team you know day in and day out um fourth call says you never really want to let other teams know your starters until last minute always in my opinion less info everyone outside the locker room has better um but I get your point, guys. Yeah, you don't. I mean, you never want people to know what you're going to do. I think there's a really an understanding of what happens in the NFL. It kind of gets spelled out. The reason it gets spelled out is because of how you play them in preseason, you know, some of those things. There's always the shocker, though, right? There's always the guy that that all of a sudden you're like, whoa, you know, it's like Elijah Mitchell. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, I saw him in, in spring practice, or I'm sorry, uh, training camp practice, the open practice at Levi's, and we went. And I got to see him run the football. And he was four-string at the time. But I saw him getting reps. I'm like, wow, this guy's the best running back out here right now. Now, Raheem Moster wasn't practicing at the time. Um, so he was just better than the other guys ahead of him. Uh, but I, I thought that that was a potential opportunity for him to be able to step up. And he did it. So those are the cool things about being at what we get to see at practice. But you're right. You always wait until the last minute to announce your starters if you can. Because um, why give somebody information if, if you don't have to? Olivia says, do you see the big back is about to become a part of the offense. Uh, the big back is here. I mean, that's the thing. Every single one of these running backs, minus Jamichael Hasty, is a big physical running back. So right now, running back is a way to go. And with the way the 49ers percentage-wise have been running the gap scheme um, compared to the outside zone recently, it makes sense. You want a big physical running back that can get you extra yards. Then one of the guys that's, you know, maybe fast, but uh, potentially can be brought down a lot easier. The Raheem Mostert was kind of the outlier in the unicorn because... He ran physically, even though he was very fast. A Matt Breida, for instance, was easy to bring down. So I think those are things you take into consideration. But they're definitely going with big running backs. I mean, Elijah Mitchell's not small. He's going to play at 215 pounds this year. Ty Davis Price said he's going to play at 220 to 222 pounds. That's really big. Jeff Wilson Jr. plays a little over 210. He's big. You know, I mean, and then you've got uh, Trey Sermon. He's a big running back as well. So I think the big running back is here to stay, and that's, Definitely a, a little bit of change in philosophy from what we saw, you know, as far as 2019 and 2020, where they want more speed and athletic guys that can potentially create on the outside. So I think it's it's something that is is to be monitored. And when you have big interior offensive linemen like um, Banks and more, uh, it make it makes sense to run a lot of gap scheme and inside zone. Um, Mr. Corey says, hopefully neither Skew or McKivis make this team. Um, McKivis didn't make the team last year. I mean, that's what a lot of people forget that he was, he ended up being on the roster, but he started on the practice squad and he was on the practice squad for a long time and he came back and he definitely did develop. So he's a better option this year than he was last year, but there's no guarantees either one of them make the team. And with Skewell being a sixth round pick, McKivis being a fifth round pick, um, they have no better value than Zakel or, you know, than Burford or, or Jalen Moore. So potentially either one of them could be gone. And so what, what can you do for me now? And, if you're able to get a better football player, I mean, Zakel probably shouldn't have been a six round pick. You know, I mean, he's better than that. So that's something to keep into consideration. Brad Jones says, my ideal O-line with not much knowledge on the position. Uh, Trent Williams, uh, left tackle. A.B., Aaron Banks, left guard. Uh, A.M. at center. Um, a Alex Mack, thank you. I'm, I'm like thinking these through. Jalen Moore at guard. And then Mike McGlinchey at right tackle. Yeah, so I agree with you, Brad. I, I really do. Uh, Brunskill, Burford, Nick Zakel as your backups. I would love it would definitely love it like that's how i would that was how i would do it too so uh, i really like that a lot uh olivia says downhill runner has been needed for uh for sure great way to grind it out yeah i mean that's one of the things the 49ers really have to do is they have to be able to grind the clock anytime that you can grind the clock you keep the opposing offense off the field and these opposing offenses are getting really really good they're really good football players uh because they have these tr you know tremendous quarterbacks that can get the ball downfield and light you up but you help your defense out when you keep when you stay on offense, when you're able to move the chains. Uh, nothing's more demoralizing to a defense than these, you know, five, six, seven yard carries that end up winding up in a, you know, a nice 12 play, 80 yard touchdown drive. Those things really get it done. And those things uh, demoralize the defense more than a big play. A defense, you feel like, oh, well, I just made one mistake. Uh, the other one, the, the long drive makes you feel like I just can't stop these guys. What can I do to stop them? And when they can't, um, it, it does break them down and starts breaking their will a little bit. And David brings up Breida's fumbling problems. Yeah, he did fumble a lot. And that definitely is not something that Kyle Shanahan is going to sit well on. So uh, you, you can't go with that. Um, so that's something that you you got to always take into consideration. Um, and then Forever Blessed, did you notice the four wide sets with Trey Lance? I think four wide sets are something that you can do with Trey Lance because you want to open the field up. You want to create running lanes, not just for him, 
uh, but also these running backs. So four four wide with a single back make a lot of sense. And then also I think that you know the potential to use um, Debo Samuel in a lot of situations where defenses don't know is he a wide receiver? Is he a running back? You could bring him in, you know, with four other skilled players and line him up in the backfield and then motion him out into empty or motion him, you know, start him out wide and motion him back into the backfield with Kyle Juszczyk being on the field. And you all are, all of a sudden have better numbers in the box than the opposing team thought you did. You can get opposing teams in bad situations. They can be a nickel and dime and you can still run the football. Those are things that you can do with Debo Samuel that you can't do with pretty much any other player. And that's why the 49ers used to value Jalen Hurts so much because the the, the position that they used this uh, wide back position that Debo Samuel is playing is what they envisioned for for uh for Jalen Hurd. Uh but Jalen Hurd couldn't stay healthy. So Debo Samuel ends up taking the role and making the most of it and doing an absolutely spectacular job. And boy is he a fantastic player to watch. Um Olivia says change up on the rest of the league, getting smaller and faster for switching to power and size. It's always nice to be an outlier. Uh the reason it's nice to be an outlier is why everyone's preparing for one thing. You do something else. If you pre- if you're doing something else, then when they have to prepare for you, it's a little bit different from what they're no- from what's normal. Uh, anytime you do something that's not normal, it, it makes it harder. And that's why in 2012, when Colin Kaepernick came on the scene and he, they were running the read option, it was difficult for teams to be able to adjust to what you know he they were four yards were doing on offense. They weren't practicing against it every week. It's the old saying like when they were in college football. Um, even now, and you go against, you know, Air Force or, or Navy, one of these teams that are running, you know, a option system, the triple option, uh, you don't see that every single day. So being able to prepare for it is difficult uh, and you have to really work on it. You have to stick to your keys and understand what you're seeing. And if you don't, you're going to get beat. You're going to make mistakes. So I think anytime you can do something different from what's the norm in the NFL, it gives you an opportunity. I mean, that's one of the reasons the 49ers in the West Coast offense was so exciting. No one understood what it was going to, you know, what it was about. Uh, but also Bill Walsh, uh, they thought he was crazy by having these short passes that ended up, you know, being extended runs basically. But also all the different um, deviations he had on these routes. Okay, if the defender's playing here, you break this way. If the defense is doing this, you break this way. Those things made it pretty much unguardable. So I think that's what you're always trying to do. You're always trying to find a situation in which you can be, you know, have an advantage. And I think that's one thing Kyle Shanahan is trying to do right now. Uh, he put sort of uh, that out there last year with the drafting of Aaron Banks, and we thought that was going to happen last year with Banks and Sermon, uh, but now he's doubling down on it this year. So Forkall says, I agree with all the forever blessed, except I would like to see Poe beat Brunskill, but Brunskill is fine. Uh, I don't know what, what's going to happen with Poe. I really I really am interested. And what's up, David Villa? Uh, welcome to chat. Um, I really don't know. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting what happens with Poe, and if he plays interior offensive line, if he plays a skill position, or if they try to find something else. He's definitely super athletic, um, but we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm worried about his length, his arm length, uh, being able to control defensive players. There's there's something to that. Will he be able to pull and be dynamic in the gap scheme? Yeah, he can do that at a high level. But the other parts of the game are something he's going to have to do. And I'm glad they're giving him a shot because I don't think your measurables should be everything, right? You should be able to prove that you can play football in the NFL no matter what your measurables are. So I'm glad he's getting the opportunity, but it doesn't mean you know, that he's ultimately going to make this team or be a big-time player because I, I do see some some potential weaknesses, and he's going to have to overcome those, including blocking downfield. Uh, he, he throws shoulders. I, I I just can't. I can't with guys who throw shoulders downfield. I love the physicality, um, but you can get your hands on someone. Make sure you make the block. If you're not, go low and get them on the ground. Those are things that you really have to do. Uh, what What's up, Jan? Says, you're not wrong, my guy. Welcome to chat, Jan. Uh, Olivia says, who do you think is on the outside looking in at tight end room? Um, I think I'm going to get into this more extensively tomorrow on tomorrow's episode, uh, but I'll give you a little tidbit. I, I don't know who's on the outside, but what I think we do is have a absolute three-man race right now. You have the new tight end they just signed, and Mr. Croft. He's going to be in, in the midst of this thing. And then I think you have Ross Dwelly, and then, um, oh, geez, I just went blank uh, on the on the wide receiver slash tight end, Jordan Matthews. Uh, those three guys are potentially going to be battling it out for the third spot. I think Charlie Warner will be pretty much secure, whether he ends up being the second tight end or the third tight end. I think he'll be on this roster. They used a six-round draft pick on him, so I, I think potentially he'll be there. But those other three guys, the, there's question marks around all of them, right? Um, I think Croft has a good chance to make this team, but I think that they've definitely uh, soured a little bit on Dwelly. Dwelly... You know, what, he, what do you have, 10 offensive snaps or something ridiculously low? Um, he did not want play a lot of football last year, uh, or maybe it was 10% of offensive snaps. It was ridiculously low. 
there needs to he definitely would need to be on the field more and i actually thought they were going to go ahead and not have him on the team um charlie warner is definitely going to make this team mr Corey, i believe um and i think that when it comes down to it uh jordan matthews has to prove he can block he'll be better than all of them except for george kittle in the receiving game He's, he knows routes better he knows about leverage he can get out of his breaks better every part of the receiving part of uh his, jordan matthews game is better the problem is the inline blocking uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to block. You know, I mean, is he going to be able to handle that new size he just put on? Last year, he played at, you know, a little over 230 pounds. Is he going to come in this year over 240 pounds? Is he going to be more physical? If he is, uh, all bets are off. I'm not going to count it against him. I see the way the guy works. Now, I definitely do. The guy works you know, works his butt off, and he goes after it. So I'm going to make sure that I always have an idea of, you know, if he can make, if, if Matthews can make the team. Um, so I'm, I'm going to keep it open. But right now, I definitely think Croft... Um, coming onto this roster, potentially he could sneak in as that third guy on the 53-man roster, and then Ross Dwelly and, and Jordan Matthews would be gone. And at which point, I don't know if either one of them would be on the practice squad, or would they trade Ross Dwelly at that point? Is there a, a trade partner? Could you trade him for a seventh-round pick? We'll see, because I do think there's going to be some decisions uh, that need to be made. And, and what's up, Moses Martinez? Uh, welcome to chat. Uh, first time here. Um, so so welcome. I'm, I'm glad you're here. So that, that's one of the things that we're going to discuss tomorrow. I mean, when we get into the 53 mans on offense, it's going to be a, a nice discussion to have. And I'm, I'm excited about that discussion. Um, so I think that that's one thing we can continue to talk about. Uh, Mr. Corey says, I like Charlie Warner. Definitely want to watch his development. Charlie Warner was an interesting one because last year, the belief was that he wasn't developing. And OTAs he actually and minicamp, he actually ran the wrong routes. It was a guy that looked absolutely lost out there. And so when they signed uh, Michael Pruitt, um, right away, everyone thought, oh, they're bringing in Michael Pruitt to be able to compete with Charlie Warner. Uh, Warner's probably going to be gone because Dwelly had played so well. Well, Dwelly has kind of fallen off since 2019. So I think with Charlie Warner being able to supplant him last year as, a, as tight end two and showing that much rapid improvement, I think right now the, the, the biggest question is, that, is Ross Dwelly going to be on this team, which is shocking I didn't think we were going to get there. I didn't think that it was going to be Charlie Warner over Ross Dwelly, um, but we're there. And he's a better blocker. I mean, and it's not even close. He's a way better blocker than Ross Dwelly. And so I think that that's something that we can we can be excited about. The only question is with the tight end position, we need guys who are versatile. We need guys that can go out for passes, but also be able to block. So that way they don't give away to a defense what you're trying to do. But George Kittle, you never know. Is he blocking? Is he, is he going out for a pass? You don't, you don't have any understanding of what's going on there. Um, with, with every other tight end on the 49ers team, I mean, more than likely, Charlie Warner's blocking. More than likely, Ross Dwelly's going out for a pass. More than likely, Jordan Matthews is going out for a pass. Those guys aren't, you know, really good blockers, the, the latter two. So I think we like guys that, you know, can do both. And I think that's what they did with Croft. They brought in a player that can do both. Um, so I, I think that's something the Niners needed to do. They needed to address it. And so you got you to gotta kind of like that. And Moses is introducing uh, OG Niner. Um, been a 49er fan since 1984. Well done, Moses. Welcome. And I, I think that's really cool. So everyone say what's up to Moses in chat. Really appreciate you coming through. Um, so I think that the tight end position is one of the ones to watch. And you know, we've been kind of we we kind of been talking about this for a couple years now. You know, the 49ers maybe should address it. Uh they did address it in 2020 with Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed came in, they used him in the power slot type situation. So I was excited about that. Uh, of course, he's only here one year and unfortunately didn't play you know, with, with very good quarterbacks and ended up retiring, had all the concussion, you know, conversation, uh, felt, felt really nervous for him pretty much every time he got hit. But uh, they haven't been able to, to figure out that tight end room. And a lot of conversation has been that it's good enough. Uh, but you're always trying to improve every single part of your roster. So hopefully the 49ers can continue to improve that position. And I think this is one of the ways that they can. I think they got better today. And that's a good, that's good news for the 49ers. You always want to get better and any opportunity to do so should be taken. Uh, P. Mer says, I think Jordan Ma or Jordan Mason makes some noise. His coach kept talking about this kid's pass pro. Jordan Mason's an interesting guy because he, he the way he was running pass routes uh, at rookie minicamp, he looked smooth. He looked clean. Um, so I did like that about him. And so the conversation could be, um, can Mason potentially come in and compete with Jamichael Hasty? I think the only problem is the four guys that are ahead of him, boring injury, should make this roster. Because, I mean, Elijah Mitchell... Uh, Ty Davis Price, Trey Sermon, uh, and Jeff Wilson Jr. are all established physical running backs. I know Mason's good. I like him, 
Uh, but I think he's more of a potential for the practice squad. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if he can squeeze onto this roster. He'll be a name to watch for sure. And let's see how he does catching the ball in the backfield because he looked pretty good. Uh, he, he's, he's got a pretty good running style. So let's see what happens when he gets in, into some of these preseason games. He could be somebody exciting to watch. Mr. Corey says, remember Warner's sweet catch from Garoppolo pump fake in the first Seattle game? Yeah, I mean, some good plays. I mean, that's what's nice. I mean, that's the thing. Charlie Warner's developed. He's better in, in 2021 than he was in 2020. And that's what you're asking of a six-round pick. Go from doing absolutely nothing at Georgia. I mean, absolutely nothing on the offensive side of the ball besides block, you know, to being a at least a potential threat at times. Um, but he's definitely got to get a lot better in the receiving game. But he's going to work his butt off. That's the one thing I, I never worry about 49ers tight ends because the 49ers are going to bring in guys that can definitely go go work their butts off. And George Kittle make sure, you know, and we got a little bit of a, a turnover there in the, the tight end room, but uh, we don't have a turnover with our number one tight end. So George Kittle is going to make sure these guys get after it. And I, I think it's going to be um, it's going to be a really nice position. I'm glad they went out, went ahead and, and got Croft. I think that's an improvement. Six foot six, 252 pounds. Uh, sure, sure sounds really nice to me. Um, and I'm going to take a couple more questions before I sign off. So if you guys got something, go ahead and throw it in there. And Mr. Corey, uh, throwing in a nice comment that I'll read. Uh, Jordan Mason is beating out Jamichael Hasty. Um, so potentially the people in chat are thinking Jordan Mason is beating out Hasty. I think Hasty's a guy that's definitely on the bubble, and he's somebody we're going to talk about tomorrow. So tomorrow at five o'clock, you're not going to want to miss the discussion about the 53 man roster. And we're going to go over, you know, some of what other people are saying about the 53-man roster and go through, you know, what we believe. And so bring your thoughts on the 53-man roster, too. I want to hear from you. It's going to be a nice discussion. We're going to go through, you know, the offensive side of the ball first, go through those positions. And then on Wednesday, we'll go through the defense. And I think it's a fun conversation because the Niners really have one of the most competitive 90-man rosters in the entire league. So there's a lot of really good football players that ain't going to make this roster. And so I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. And, you know, we, we haven't even really gotten into very much of it at all. Uh, and Jan's already, you know, going ahead and, and posing the end of the show. Yeah, we'll definitely get into that uh, because um, the end of the show is going to come soon enough. But I wanted to give everyone an opportunity if they had, you know, anything they wanted to sneak in there before I sign off. But um, uh, forever blesses Garrett Watson tied in. Uh, Todd Withrow comes through with any news on Alex Mack. Uh, no, Todd, there's no news on Alex Mack. The only thing I can tell you is Alex Mack did not show up to OTAs. Uh, reports are he was not there present for OTAs, which isn't shocking uh, because he doesn't have to. They're they're voluntary. And anytime it's voluntary, you don't expect some veterans to show up and you don't expect you know somebody like Debo Samuel, who's in contract negotiations, to so show up. So neither one of those guys are there. There's no news on Alex Mack. And really, until we get to June 1st, uh, there's no real pressure for Alex Mack, so we'll see what happens with him. I, I'm, I think everyone's hoping that we're going to get a, a better idea of what happens with it, but we just haven't got there yet. Uh, Forrest Fogey said, how would you like the guy who has to cut back to 53? Yeah, that's got to be one of the toughest things. It's one of the things Hard Knocks brought to light was the fact that you have to, you know, watching these guys get told that their dream could potentially be over. That stinks. That's that's just that's terrible. Those meetings are hard. The only thing you have to keep in mind is it's a business. And, you know, I had to make some tough decisions when I was a coach. And I didn't like it. The last year I coached, I had to I had to fire a coach. Uh, they wanted me to remove the coach for the last game of the season, uh, telling that coach that, you know, you're not going to be coaching and you've done nothing wrong uh, is really tough. Um, and, and it's not something you ever wish on anyone. But those are decisions and, and things you have to do as a head coach in the front office. And they're not fun. Lou says, will the biggest surprise player be making the 53 uh, off on offense or on defense? Um, you know what? I'll have to think about that one, Lou, because I'm not, I'm not sure. I do have a couple of guys that I have an, an inkling could make this team, um, but we'll we'll talk about that in the next couple of days. Those will be a fun one. So bring that question back, Lou, uh, tomorrow, and we'll really, really get into that. And David says, thanks, Ant. You're the best. Great show. I really appreciate everyone in chat. It's been a good one. Uh, it's really fun. And then Jason Butler says, I believe Leon and Neil will start at free safety. Ooh. Okay, Jason Butler coming strong uh, with a Leon O'Neal is going to start. Wow, um, that that I like it. I mean, if you're going to come with something bold, come with that. And that's bold right there. Welcome to Chad, Jason Butler, bringing the Leon O'Neal. Um, the funny thing is I have my Leon O'Neal number 14 jersey already. It's ready to roll, right, if he makes this team. Uh, it's, it's, that's, that's cool. I like that. We'll see what happens with Leon O'Neal. And you can check on Wednesday to see if I think Leon O'Neal is going to make this team or, or make this, uh, roster. Um, and we got a, a super chat coming in at the end from D will great show as usual. And thanks. I really appreciate that. D will. 
uh thank you so much uh that's a big super chat that's awesome um i i, I really humbly appreciate that so much so thank you so so much for that uh great that was a great comment and a great super chat to end on thank you everyone uh, for coming through it was it was a great time i'm looking forward to tomorrow talking about offensive 53 man rosters that's going to be a lot of fun as well and you know what that means remember the right way is always the 49ers way